Welcome to EQ Mind's Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and I have some very exciting news. My book, The Mindful High Performer, is available for pre-order now. Out May 31st, learn how you can operate at a high performance level without feeling overcommitted, overwhelmed, or simply over it. Just go to eqminds.com to pre-order now so you can get your hands on this book as soon as possible. It would mean the world to us. Today, we welcome on Sophie Scott to discuss high-functioning anxiety, something I've experienced myself. Sophie is an award-winning journalist, broadcaster, author, and adjunct associate professor. Sophie Scott's mission is to inspire and enhance the health and happiness of everyone she meets. She regularly posts mental health resources on Instagram at Sophie Scott too. I love this podcast. I hope you find it really valuable for you too. Sophie, I am so grateful that you're here with me on the podcast today. Thanks, Chelsea. I feel like we know each other, even though we haven't actually met in person, but um, I follow all your work and I feel like we have so much in common. So it's a, it's great to be chatting with you today. Yeah, likewise, Sophie. I've been following you on Instagram for years. I find your content so helpful. I find that we kind of cut from the same cloth. You know, we've got similar stories with our um, high-functioning anxiety. And I just thought, wow, you're going to be the perfect person for this topic today. And so I thought, we'll get into it. And I couldn't think of a better person to explain to the audience out there, you know, what is high-functioning anxiety? So high-functioning anxiety, look, it's not like a formal diagnosis, but what it is, it's really when you feel very anxious within yourself, but to the outside world, you appear very organised, highly successful, productive, but it's the inner turmoil and it's the conflict between those two things. It's the fact that if you have high-functioning anxiety, you might be able to hold a really prestigious position. You might be able to you know, hold a really high executive position and, and to the outside, you seem very, very hardworking, organised, in control, but deep down inside, what you feel is this sort of sense of, um, you know, lack of boundaries, that you're a people pleaser, that you're afraid to say no. And so that inner conflict is really what distinguishes that high-functioning anxiety compared to other, say, more generalised sort of so, like generalised anxiety disorder or social anxiety, where social anxiety might be triggered only when you're around people. But when I've written about high-functioning anxiety, it's it's really amazing, Chelsea, that just the number of people in really, really high positions of power that say, this is exactly what I'm going through and this is how I feel every day. And even though to the outside world, uh, these people are highly successful, but having that inner turmoil is still holding them back from really living you know, the best life that they can live because waking up every day thinking, you know, I can't make mistakes, I'm, I'm afraid of failing, I'm, you know, I need to be in control, that's, that's draining emotionally and physically and it's, it's not a great way to live. And so I think accepting that if you do have high-functioning anxiety that you can do something about it and you don't have to live with that, that inner turmoil despite the fact that from the outside it appears like everything it's fine. I like this sort of analogy of like the duck swimming on the water. You know, the duck is sort of graceful on the water, but underneath there's this paddle, paddle, paddle. Well, that's sort of a good analogy with high-functioning anxiety, but the, there's a real paddle going on just to stay afloat. And um, there definitely are things people can do if they feel like they fall into that category. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And I can see that visual. I, I feel like I used to relate to that story so well. Like people would see this calm surface on the outside and on the underneath, I'm like, like <laughs> running at a million miles an hour. And and I think that's a really, you gave us some really, really good ideas there or some insights in terms of how to identify with high functioning anxiety. So if there's listeners going, well, I kind of tick that, you know, mm. I feel like I sort of, I guess, lean up against the perfectionism or I feel like I can't, you know, I've got this really hectic to-do list. And so if they're recognising these signs and symptoms, what would be your encouragement to prioritise their mental health and how can they manage their high-functioning anxiety? So I think there's always like, you know, as as you talk about in your talks and things, there's always a range of approaches and it's not really like a one-size-fits-all. And the best thing is to sort of look at what's going to work for you. But um, sort of mind-body approaches or somatic work can work really well. So an approach where you're getting sort of outside your head and into your body. So things like yoga and um, exercise and, and things where you're learning how to regulate your nervous system and get into that more relaxed state of a nervous system and, and calm yourself from that very sort of hyped up, anxious state. Um, and, and you can do that through a number of ways, through um, through body work, through meditation, of course, and then things like emotional support because people with high-functioning anxiety, you often feel very isolated because because you don't feel, because everyone thinks you're fine, no one asks you how you're going. Everyone thinks you're just fine. So no one would think, you know, on, on you know days when you're checking in with people, you'd probably be the last person people would check in with. So making sure you, you do seek that support, the emotional support, um, the psychological support um, if you need it and, you know, things like cognitive behaviour therapy and talk therapy can be an important part of that as well. But I think having that range of approaches uh, is the best because that way you can sort of see what really resonates with you. And we're all different, even though we're all humans, we're all slightly different. And some people, um, particularly with anxiety, some people will find cognitive behaviour therapy and talk therapy um for some people it works really well, but for other people, more of the mind-body approaches really is what's going to tick them over to feel more relaxed and calmer and more regulated in their nervous system. And I've certainly found that, that that's been something that's been a real game changer for me, understanding how the nervous system works and understanding why you feel anxious and what, what's happening in your nervous system and how to down-regulate it and use these practices that are really based on great solid science that will get you into that relaxed state much more than, say, um, just talking to someone might do. That's so true and I love that, that we are all unique and different as individuals. And reading your blog, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, and you can find it on Sophie's website at sophiescott.com.au, and it was around your personal story around burnout. And the thing that I really liked was was a few things that I pulled out of there was that nothing will change unless you do. You know, knowledge is power. Like you can read all the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, uh, but it's next to useless if you don't act on that knowledge and and that's kind of where the real power of change lies. And I thought, gosh, that is so powerful because you can read a lot, but it's until you take ownership and accountability of where you're at and your rebuild after having that burnout I thought was really excellent because it wasn't like you're saying get up at 5 a.m. and run for a 10K run. (laughs) (laughs) the last thing you'd want to do when you're feeling burnt out and for me that the key was to be able to find some small changes that were doable because when you're burnt out you're physically and emotionally exhausted so the last thing you want is another big to-do list of get up at five and go for a run or you know change your whole diet or 
So I needed to find the things that were going to be backed by science that were really going to make the biggest difference, but they weren't too taxing on you physically and emotionally and everything else. So, I mean, luckily there's there's really good science on the practices that I talk about, like meditation. You know, I couldn't really do much exercise. I was so fatigued, but I found doing Tai Chi in the mornings was a, a beautiful practice that I could um, I could do. And uh, the only I found this video that was on YouTube of these American senior citizens doing Tai Chi, and I thought to myself, you know, if these people can do it, they're in a nursing home, then certainly I can do eight minutes of Tai Chi in the morning. And having that grounding sort of practice first thing in the morning was was really really helpful. And and knowing that you don't have to make massive changes, and that the small changes, but but being consistent, is actually what makes a difference. And I think often we want the big overhaul a big sort of quick fix and if there was one I think you and I would have known about by now but the fact is it's about it's about looking at your daily habits it's about looking at how you live your life and then looking at um, what the impact of those daily rituals are and the thing for me and the reason I love the science behind things and the way you do as well Chelsea is because often we lack the motivation to do a lot of these things we might lack the motivation to exercise or we lack the motivation to meditate but once you understand that just doing it will change how you feel, just just doing meditation or just doing some gentle exercise will change your brain function, will change your mood. You don't have to wait for the motivation. You just have to do it. And that's mm-hmm. the message that I really want to get out to people that don't wait for that sort of light bulb motivation because sometimes it may never come. But you're missing out on the benefits of these practices that can really get you from a an exhausted, burnt-out state to feeling much more in control and calm and centred and able to sort of deal with whatever life throws at you because, you know, the goal, I guess, isn't to sort of be, we can't be calm all the time unless you want to, you know, become a monk and move somewhere where you just spend all day meditating. We've got to develop that resilience so that we can we can deal with the challenges of the, our daily lives as they as they happen. And that's, that's what, you know, the tools that, that I talk about and that you talk about really help people do it helps you develop that that inner resilience so that you can deal with whatever stress is thrown at you and it's it's all based on the best science because we know that these practices work absolutely and I love that I love these sort of gentle nudges like this consistency every day versus intensity like it's so much better just to move for eight minutes every day than you know then flog yourself in the gym once a month for an hour you know it's all about this consistency of these practices and and I love that you lent on the Tai Chi I'm going to drop that YouTube clip into the show notes because I feel like if there's people out there that like yeah I need to do the um the Tai Chi with the nursing home for sure that's where I'm at at the moment that's my level of uh, my capacity and so the Tai Chi was in there because I know what I did when I sort of had a mental health mm. relapse a few years ago and I found even for me just playing Lego with my daughter, that was kind of at my max capacity. Like I'd get up, I'd do some gratitude, even though like my my mind was a bit darker at that period of time, but I knew from the science it was good. So just waking mm. up, just think about one thing today, Chels, and then go for a gentle surf if you can get yourself in the water and then come back, do some cooking and play Lego with Clara. That was kind of it. Like Jay couldn't even ask me a question about work. I'm like, ah, don't ask me anything. (laughs) Don't go there, exactly. Yeah. I I think play is important as well because play um, is something we probably don't do enough of and it takes you out of that that thinking, overthinking into that sort of your inner child, I guess, which you and think of things that you used to like doing and, and, and it reminds you of, you know, I think we do take 
ourselves and the world pretty seriously. And so just being able to like, you know, look back to the things that you liked to as a child and think how can you incorporate that into your daily life as well. That's and for some cool. people it's music or it might be art or and and that creativity as well can really give you a sense of um of, of fulfillment that you may not have, particularly if you're feeling very burnt out. And for me music's a big thing. I played the piano and the clarinet and and I love playing the piano and that's a great escape for me just to be able to sit down and play the piano and and, and sort of not think about things. And, um, yeah, and the, the key thing, I guess, you mentioned gratitude, but um, the research about the impact of sort of breathing practices was really eye-opening for me, even though I knew the value of meditation. I mean, I've written about it plenty of times, but until you're in that state where you really need to do something, you don't recognise the value of a breathing practice and just, in terms of how it can really relax your nervous system. It's the most powerful, quickest way to get to that relaxed state is by having some sort of breathing, regular breathing practice. And, again, even if people can just do a few minutes of it, um, you know, I know you've got um, beautiful meditations that you do for people and it's it's just such a great gift to give yourself and that's the way I like to think about it. Every time you're doing one of these practices, it's really like a gift that you're giving yourself to be the best version of yourself the people that you really care about and often particularly if you're you know a parent or a working parent you give so much of your time to other people and these are ways that you can give something back to yourself and um and you need to do that so that you can be the best version of yourself for the not only for yourself but also for the people that you really care about that is beautiful and I think that's a that's a really moment for everyone to pause and really think about what Sophie just said there because so many people out there put themselves last and as you're saying Sophie like you cannot like if you fall sick if you get unwell if you burn out it doesn't just impact you it directly impacts the people around us and it's like giving yourself that gift and you don't even need to spend money you don't need to necessarily go for a massage although I do really encourage people to get (laughs) I love a good massage yeah why uh but it could just be that like today I give myself the 90 seconds to do some deep breathing I give myself the today I've scheduled in for me like a Omnilux at home, you know, facial while I listen to a meditation. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Like that's like a little treat to myself midday, right, in a really hectic day. And I know my personality, if I don't lock those kind of things in and lock in times where I can go surfing or do play, um, like I was in Adelaide this week for work. And so every time I go to a new city, a big part of my life now is I'm going to have fun. I'm going to explore the city like a tourist. And so I went tree climbing and I was up like 13 metres high in these trees, climbing and doing all these obstacles and then I'd zip line out. And I was just like this little kid having the best time. I, know, I saw the video. It looked amazing. It looked like you were really flying. <laughs> I was loving it. But that whole thing around giving yourself permission to have fun and give yourself permission to play because, as we know, the globe right now is hurting. And so it's okay to have those periods of time where you just – you just sort of go off the radar, go off the grid and just invest a little bit of time in yourself and you just reap the benefits of that for the next day, the whole next day, like you're in this different state. Um, exactly. And doesn't like you said, these things don't have to be expensive or take a lot of time, but you just have to recognise that if you if you want to stay calm and you want to be, you know, able to do everything that you want to do and, you know, we're all we're – all, lead pretty busy lives and have lots of demands on our time and energy 
but taking the time and like you know actually putting in your diary this is my time to do this for me because if you don't then life just takes over and you you get too busy and it gets put to the bottom of your to-do list and and that's when you end up um, feeling burnt out and then you can end up and you know burnout while it's primarily a work-related phenomenon you can definitely get it there's you know parental burnout and caregiver burnout so it's not just something that happens in the workplace and it's really something that um, it can be quite serious in terms of the physical and cognitive effects of burnout and it can take people a, a while to recover so building in these little sort of practices that we've talked about in in the podcast it's sort of this is your sort of insurance policy against getting into that state and while they might only seem like small things but actually from a scientific point of view these are the things that are going to have that inner resilience so that you can deal with whatever stress is going on around you and you can um you know deal with the sort of ups and downs of the day and um yeah it's just don't wait for the motivation. Just look at what the, the science shows in terms of, um, you know, gentle exercise and, well, I don't really say ex- it's even just, just movement. It doesn't matter what you do. It's just about moving your body. It's about taking some time to be, you know, look inwards and be still and um, and connecting with others. Chelsea, that's the other really important thing as well. It's about, you know, making sure you're prioritising those meaningful connections you know, where you really, when you leave that being with that person, you feel like you're lifted up with joy and you, you, and that's what we crave as humans. We're wired for connection and we need those moments where we feel so engaged with that other person and having those moments in your day on a regular basis is also really important as well. That's so important. I'm so glad you touched on that because loneliness has been such a epidemic. You know, not only have we had the pandemic here, but we've had this epidemic of loneliness and I think that's just so wonderful. So for you, I could talk to you for hours. You've got, you've got so many tips and tools. And for those of you that are listening right now, I cannot encourage you enough to go over to Sophie's Instagram. It's Sophie Scott too. And you will get so many incredible infographics. You'll get so many incredible tips and tools on the daily. Like you are going to be really well armed. If you're feeling like you're someone who is uh, vulnerable to high functioning anxiety, but it's bigger than that. Like Sophie cover everything in the mental health and wellbeing space. And I feel so grateful that what you do, you're shining a really beautiful light out there uh, for mental health and well-being. So I'm incredibly grateful. I've seen that you've put a course up there on Insight Timer as well called Preventing and Recovering from Burnout. So for people who need more, I'll definitely jump over there on Insight Timer and get involved in Sophie's course as well. Uh, so any last words from you? Look, I just, I guess I just wanted to say sometimes it can seem a bit overwhelming if you think that you need help, but the, the key is to just make some small changes to your daily life and, and recognise that, you know, reaching out for support but also what you do in your daily life really matters and it's not about a massive overhaul of what you're doing right now but it's just about thinking how can I carve out some time for things that are going to make me feel like the person that I want to be and and recognizing that there's no stigma or shame in feeling high functioning anxiety or burnout that it's not your fault a lot of people with burnout feel very guilty that it's something they've done and that's not the case at all. And that there are ways that you can feel better and feel happier and have a, you know, the, the life that you want to live. And it's about um, reaching out for support and putting some of these tools into practice every day. And they really do make a difference. So I really encourage people to, to give them a go. 
That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. I really appreciate it. So thanks for all the work that you're doing out there. Thanks, Chelsea. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.